0: Hey, good to see you, eh? Good to see you again. Um, Super cool. Hey, so last sermon of the year. This is real weird. Like, one of the weirdest things about being a pastor is I'm literally paid to care for you all. Have you ever thought about that? I literally get paid to pray for you guys. I'm, like, paid to to care for you, Um, which I always find funny when I'm on holiday, because on holiday, I'm like, oh, I could stop praying for you guys because I'm not being paid. But I don't, which makes me extra spiritual, because I'm actually doing it because I love you, not because I'm being paid, right? Amazing? I don't know. So I was thinking it's kind of funny, like I'm going on break, which means I don't see you all, and at first I was like, yeah, and then I was like, oh, but I still love them, I'll pray for them, which I know you guys pray for me and everyone else as well, so I'm not actually that spiritual. Anyway, hey, last um, in our series, we're doing this little series, um, Jesus is the hope of the world, and Sarah and I have been pulling out different ways that Jesus is the, the literal hope of the world, and one of those questions that we wanted to keep asking is if someone came to you and said, oh, you Christians talk about Jesus being hope. What does that mean? What would be your response, right? Because it's a phrase we just chuck around all the time at Christmas. Jesus, hope of the world, what does it mean? Uh, so I've been kind of unpacking some different ideas around that, which is what I'm going to do um, this morning. So one of the things I'm talking about, is as Dan kind of introduces, this whole idea of having obedient faith, like faith that just obeys, right? So i want to start with a silly story, as I always do. Um, who's been ice skating? Everyone, eh, at some point? Everyone? Anyone? No, I shouldn't say anyone not been ice skating, because you might feel stink. You've never been ice skating, Maren? Okay, Robert, after church, go to the rink, it'll be amazing. Okay, know, yeah, no, let's not do that. Um, ice skating. So I remember the first time I went ice skating, I don't know how old I was, and with the youth group, went to Rotorua, of all places. I was like thinking about it, and I was like, really? Who built an ice rink in Rotorua, of all places? Anyway, went down there and went skating, and to me, skating is one of the most embarrassing things ever, because no one just walks out on the ice and boosts off, right? We all just look like idiots, amen? You agree? You mean Yeah, so you start off in the skates, you never do them up tight enough, right? Because I like, do them up tight, and you're like, I'll do them up like shoes, and then that doesn't work, and you're wobbling, and then you're on the ice, and then after a little while, sometimes it's a minute or two, for some people it's like half an hour, they finally start getting a bit of like going, and normally you do the one foot skating thing, you know what I mean? Like you've got one foot, you're kind of skating, and you're just pushing. You've seen that? No? <laughs> okay, work with me, team. Um, and then after a while, you kind of actually do a little skate, And then all of a sudden you realise, I'm actually skating. I'm going at like a little bit of speed. And then you're like, I'm skating. And you just have that amazing feeling of gliding across the ice, which normally lasts for somewhere between three and four seconds before you do the whoop, 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 and just like wipe out. So who's done that, right? Who's skated and just wiped out? Everyone? Yeah, you just bail, right? The thing that ticks me off most about skating is there's always that one person, right? There's that one person who is just like the professional skater. Everyone else is falling, stumbling, and they're pirouetting and skating and zipping around, everyone making them look stupid. Anyone been that person? Want to admit it this morning? Howard? No? Tom? Be <laughs> bet you it's Tom, but anyway. All right. Um, one of the things that I think is uh, similar to our emotional, um, spiritual kind of life is uh, when you're skating, when you go to fall. Um, the last thing you ever do is think about um, the, the quality of the the railing, right, that you're about to grab. You don't look at the railing as you're, like, skating along and you start... You don't stop and look at the railing and think, hang on, hang on. I wonder who built this railing. Was this built by JCC, in which case amazing, right? It's a building company in our church was this built by Brayden Ellis? Because if it was, it would be incredible and totally... You don't, right? You just grab it. Does that make sense? You just grab it. Um, same with a friend. If you're skating and you're with a friend and you start... Z- 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 the first thing you do, you just grab your friend. You don't think, hang on, hang on. Now, if I grab them, they're going to go off balance and land on me and I'll land on them and we're going to be tangled and everyone will be like... You don't. You just grab, right? You just grab. And, and to me, it's real similar to, to our relationship with Jesus. We... We should be. Hopefully we get ourselves to a point when things are are hitting the fan of life, when we're struggling, we don't stop and think, hmm, I wonder if I can really depend on Jesus in this, right? We need to just have faith without hesitation where we go, Jesus got me. I need to grab him. He's got me. I'm not like, hmm, I don't know, right? So that's kind of what I want to talk a bit about um, this morning, this whole idea of faith without hesitation, right? Faith without hesitation. What does it look like when God calls to us or convicts us or promises something to us. So let me explain that. A call of God is he calls us to do something or he convicts us of something. He asks us to stop doing something or he promises something to us, which is he is going to do something. So how do you respond when you hear that call or that conviction or that promise from God? Is it like, hmm, don't know, better figure this out? Or is it faith without hesitation, right? So I want to look at a couple of... Um, of the characters in the Christmas story. But first of all, I want to look at this quote. This is kind of a negative quote, but I was reading um, around this whole idea of faith without hesitation this week, and I came across this this quote. So this is from Church of the Highlands. When we hesitate with God, we create a breeding ground for doubt, fear, and insecurity, none of which come from Him. So let me read that again, right? When we hesitate with God, we create a breeding ground for doubt, fear, and insecurity, none of which come from Him. It makes sense, right? When God calls or convicts or gives us a promise, he expects us to just step. He expects us to grab the wall, grab the friend, not go, hmm, hang on a minute. And then the longer we think and question, the more doubt creeps. Did God really call me on that? Did God really convict me to stop? Did God really give me that promise? And it creeps in. And that's not how he wants us to live in our relationship with him, right? Okay, so let me kind of unpack that, because that's per, per of a negative statement. So I'm going to look at a couple of um, the characters from the story. So here's the first one. The shepherds didn't hesitate to meet Jesus, right? So the shepherds don't hesitate to meet Jesus. So let's all go to Luke 2, which Dan uh, already read a bit also shot Dan. I think he's gone upstairs to help with the kids. That guy is just like a servant of Jesus. Okay, so if you've got your Bible, jump over to Luke. We're just going to read that last little bit, 15 to 18. It's weird, Day eh? In the olden days, you could hear the flipping of pages, and you'd kind of wait when you were preaching till all the flipping had died down. But now you're like, is anyone? Because your apps are silent. We should have, like, a flipping page thing on our apps. You'll make sounds. Yes, yeah, so I know everyone's actually with me. Hey, let me read just um, verses 15 to 18. Um, we're thinking of the shepherds having this obedient faith, right? Faith without hesitation. When the shepherd, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, this key little phrase, they hurried, right? No hesitation. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. Um, Pretty cool story, right? I love how they're just instant, instant, instant. And I, I listed down some reasons why they could... Justify not going, right? Anyone out there a really good justifier of doing good or bad, anyone? A few of us. I'm like one of the masters. I'd love there to be a challenge. I'm the wizard. Will we like, I was talking to Darren the other day, like we'll, we might get takeaways once a week, maybe once every two weeks, but I'm just the master of like anything has happened in the family. I'm like, oh, seriously, tonight we should get takeaways again because then I'll justify it. And then Joseph's like, yeah, why not? You know, it's like the master of justifying. And it can be in the negative as well, right? God calls me to do something and I'm like, oh, justify, justify why I shouldn't obey straight away. So here's some reasons why the shepherds could have um, Justified not going, right? So first of all, what would they do with their flock? Have you ever thought about that? They have one job. You had one job to do. Look after the sheep and are what are you doing down in the manger with the baby and the sheep are everywhere and, ah, you know? Um, should they tell their families first? What if someone came to say good day and bring them a midnight coffee? Where are the shepherds and the sheep? Were they dressed appropriately? Have you ever thought about that? Like, not to be rude, but they would have smelled really bad, right? Like, not, not a lot of people showered back then. No one showered, right? Um, they would have stunk. The baby didn't shower. Um, they would have stunk. They'd be dressed just real ru- But now they're off to see what the angels have just said. The king of kings, right? This Should we go? Oh, no, nah, guys. Like, we, I know God and angels, but no, nah, justify, justify. Um, and then the last one, which I think is pretty powerful. Were simple shepherds really worthy of meeting the king of kings? Could have said to each other, hey, I know what they said, but really, are we worthy? Um, so I wrote this down. They're called by God to go... And be the first witnesses to the greatest miracle of all time, the incarnation of God. There is no hesitation. There is no justification for delaying their obedience. They just go, right? And you see what I'm saying? If they debated and discussed, that doubt would have crept in, that hesitation would have crept in, and would they have gone and and received this incredible blessing? So like I said, think if you can. Think of a time recently where God gave you a call. So... Asked you to do something, gave you a conviction, asked you to not do something, or gave you a promise where he is going to do something. And just stop for a second and reflect. How did you respond? Did you have faith without hesitation, or did you allow doubt and fear and stuff to creep in? What do you reckon? Hey, so the shepherds don't hesitate, they just obey, even though it's pretty massive and they had reasons they could justify And here's a second idea. The wise men didn't hesitate to meet Jesus, right? And I think when you look at this, if the shepherds had some good reasons, the wise men have some pretty massive reasons of why they could justify their lack of obedience to this call from God. So um, jump over to Matthew 2, and we'll read a little bit of the story there. So Matthew 2, we're going to look at verses 9 uh, to 11, eh? Okay, let me read this. Um, So you know the context. I'm sure you've read this story a ton, right? So the wise guys, I'm going to talk a bit about who they are. They've come from the east, which we think is probably Babylon. They're astrologers. Um, We think they're very wealthy. uh, And so one of the reasons we think they're real wealthy is just to travel at this time is just pretty unheard of, right? Because you're living day to day, right? You know, hand-to-mouth sort of thing. And so to travel, um, only the very wealthy could afford to travel. Uh, And then the gifts they give to... Jesus, is are very significant and very, very costly gifts. And so the average person just couldn't do this. So we have no idea how many there are. Most people like say three, because there's three gifts, but there could have been ten, there could have been one, there could have been fifth. Well, it's plural, so at least two. Um, And I don't know, let me read it. eh? Um, And they come and meet with Herod, because he's the king, and they're looking for this um, this king of the Jews, as they say, it, which shows us that they're definitely Gentiles and not Jews. So, verse 9 After this interview, which was with Herod, uh, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Such an amazing verse. Oh my gosh. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And then there's this crazy verse. So if you're you're able to imagine the scene, this verse is just quite mind-blowing, right? So the scene is they're in a house now. Um, So they've changed. So with the the shepherds, they were using the Greek word for baby, but now they're using a Greek word for child. So most people think we're about a year, maybe a bit more um, on in the story. They're at a house uh, with um, Mary and Joseph. There's no sheep and goats anymore, to, sorry, to destroy very theologically incorrect nativity scenes that have them all together, blows my mind. Um, so it's just Mary and Joseph, they a house. The house would be tiny, one room, right, not a bedroom, just one little area with a little cooking thing, very small, um, very simple, and these these wise people turn up, very wealthy. Um, most people think there'd be a, a, a group of at least 100, right, so when you travelled long distances like this, you, you didn't, and you're wealthy, you don't just jump on a camel and bop, bop, bop. You have slaves and servants and tents and food and cooks and the whole nine yards. So most people say about 100 people. So you've got Mary and Joseph, more poor than the poorest person ever, um, in some very probably pretty ramshackle house. And then these very wealthy people think turbans and robes and the whole nine yards and gold and stuff, camels, and 100 people with slaves and everything turns up. And then they go into this little house. And I love this verse, verse 11. They entered the house. They saw the child. That's the key, right? They don't really care about Mary and Joseph, right? They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped. Who did they worship? Him. <laughs> it's like, what a crazy scene. You think that the parents are important? No, nah, the parents are not important. They bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, they give them to him, to Jesus. And you have this amazing like, visual of Mary and Joseph, I always imagine, kind of almost off to the side, right? And then these wealthy people, camels, and the whole nine yards, and turns up, and this whole thing, and then they come in, and it's almost like Mary and Joseph are irrelevant. It's like they bow down. And the, the Greek words that um, they use here is that it literally means they're on their knees and on their face before this tiny baby in this basic little house. And these people are so wealthy and important, and such a cool image. And then they give their gifts to... Um, to him, anyway, justify. They could have justified not going. Here's a couple of reasons: um, too hard and too far of a journey. So, as Sarah said last week, it could have been a hundred days on a camel. So, anyone actually ridden a camel? Anyone? I'm sure Christine has because you've travelled every year. I've never, but I'm imagined, Hey, Maren has. Shot Maren. No ice skating, but cameling. Awesome. I'm imagining it's pretty crazy. Anyone like a hundred days on a camel wouldn't be a fun time. I would imagine if I'm used to it. I don't even like horses. Sorry, Sarah, but. So it would have been easier to go, hang on, hang on, yeah, sure, starve, oh, 100 days, that's a lot of traveling, right? Um, another one, kind of embarrassing, what if we go all that way and we got it wrong? <laughs> and sometimes that's us, right? We know God's calling, convicting, promising, but we're like, ooh, if I trust him here, I might look really stupid if I get it wrong, but it's like Dan said, stepping out in faith. Or maybe the last one, what if we get there and we can't even get to see him, because he's in a palace and he's a king and we don't have our passport and our ID, and they're like, who are you clowns, go away, you know, so... A lot of reasons why they could have justified it, but they don't, right? They have this faith without hesitation, right? The, the shepherds hear from God and they, they go. These guys hear from God and they just go. Um, pretty amazing. Hey, so here's the last point. Um, we mustn't hesitate to obey Jesus, right? So the shepherds don't hesitate. The wise men don't hesitate. We mustn't hesitate um, to obey God. I think whatever you you thought, before I asked you to think about a, a call or a conviction or a promise, and was it a time of hesitation or just like straight obedience? And again, these times where we need to check it out. So I'm not saying you hear from God and you're like, yes, we're selling the house. You, know, you need to be careful here. Um, but so often that's small things, and we just know and we should obey. And One of the things I want to say is don't feel guilty. right? God is never a God of guilt. <laughs> um, so all of us uh, have had times where God's called, convicted promised and we've kind of justified and shuffled our feet and then doubt. Did he really say? And all that creeps in. Um, But I think it's important to acknowledge that, kind of put it aside and be like, okay, 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 next time, next time. Next time God calls me, next time God convicts me, next time God promises me, I'm going to be a shepherd. (laughs) I'm going to be a wise man and I'm on my camel and I'm obeying him. I'm not going to do the doubt thing and the fear and the thing. Um, I love this verse from Proverbs. You guys know this verse super well, but I love the, the very clear comparison that we're offered in this verse. So um, let me read this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you um, the path to take. I, I hope you see it real clearly in there. It's literally God giving us this, this option here. He's literally saying to us, hey, when you're making decisions, you have two choices to make. One, you can trust yourself <laughs> or you can trust me. And to me, one of the big dangers that we say when we start to doubt the call or the conviction or the promise of God is we're literally saying, oh, I'll trust myself more than I'll trust God. Does that kind of make sense, Hey, eh? You see what I'm saying? Because God's called me, but, oh, is he really? I'll trust my own, my own intelligence. And I love what he says, "They oh, trust the Lord or... Um, depend on your own understanding. Um, depend on your own understanding or seek as will and all you do. Um, all of us want to be shown by God the path to take. Um, and so I think when we're honest, when we're sitting in church and it's easy, we go, man, I don't want to trust my own understanding because I'm a goose and I make foolish decisions. So one of the things I'm kind of asking you to do this morning is to think, right, next time I hear a call, Next time I hear a conviction, next time I hear a promise from God, man, I'm just obeying. I'm just going to decide now. I'm just going to obey. He'll he'll sort it out (laughs) as I go. I'll ask wise people, I'll check in, you know, but I'm just going to obey, right? I just want to be like a shepherd. I want to be like the wise man. I just want to have faith without hesitation. Um, Here's that quote again that I began with, right? When we hesitate with God, we create a breeding ground for doubt, fear, and insecurity none of which come from him. And you know that's true, right? As soon as we start questioning, as soon as we start justifying, um, doubt grows, and we question the call, the conviction, the promise of God. Um, It's kind of a negative thing, but I wonder how many times this year, right? We're almost at the end of the year. I wonder how many times this year God came to one of us, and he wanted to bless us in some way. And the blessing might be a call to step into something, the blessing might be a conviction to stop something because he knows that is harming us and relationships are in. The blessing might have been a promise that he is offering. He always offers, right? He never forces offering to us. And maybe some of us in the room, some of us listening on the podcast, maybe you missed out on that blessing of God in one of those ways because you hesitated and you allowed doubt and fear to, to creep in, right? Think about the shepherds, man. If the shepherds had hesitated, They would have missed out, like I said before, on being witnesses to one of the most incredible miracles of the planet. (laughs) Being the first people to welcome, to worship, to be with the creator of the universe. (laughs) Um, The wise men as well. The wise men are, are one of the first people to come and worship, bow before the creator of the universe. And we know the verse, right, in Philippians, that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they're one of the first ones to do it. What a blessing, right? But they could have hesitated and missed that opportunity. And in 2022, maybe make that decision to say, man, I'm not going to hesitate. When God calls, convicts, promises, I am on my camel (laughs) for 100 days. Um, When things are falling apart and I'm thinking, should I grab the rail No." I grab Jesus because I know that he's got me, right? It's all stand up and let me pray for us. Say, worship team, do you guys want to come back up? And I'm going to pray for us. Say, let me pray as the team's coming up. Mm. Your mighty God, I think... I think for a lot of us, eh, we're very Western now in our thinking and we want to make sure our, our facts are in a row, our ducks are in a row, we have complete understanding and this real raw faith thing is something that a lot of us don't practice. I know there's some awesome faith people in this room at the same time. Oh my gosh. They hear you and they jump and because they hear you and they jump, they receive that blessing, God. Um, yeah, we want to be like shepherds. Eh? We want to be like wise men, wise women. <laughs> um, We don't want to miss out on the blessing that you offer to us, Uh, whether it's a call, a conviction, a promise, whatever. We want to receive the fullness of what you want to shower on us, God. I pray right now, as we're sitting in church, as we're listening on the podcast, right now I pray that you'd help us to just stop for a second and make that decision. Okay, next time the Lord calls, man, I'm obeying. The next time the Lord convicts, I am obeying. I'm going to deal with that because he's got my best in mind. The next time he shows me, offers me a promise, I am receiving and stepping into that. Yeah. Help us not to hesitate and miss out, God. I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.